600 KZOL. My brothers and sisters, we've all turned up the radio to hear Brother Jimmy, Jimmy Lakin, from coast to coast and shore to shore. Now raise your voice. Oh, little song, Jimmy Lakey's, get out of bed, Jimmy Lakey, raise your voice, Jimmy Lakey, Lakey, hey, can't live without it, with Jimmy Lakey, Jimmy Lakey, Jimmy Lakey is on now on 600 KCOL. Welcome to the program, everybody. Nice to have you. Um, the confirmation, uh, the, the Senate committee hearing for uh, the confirmation of Justice, uh, soon to be ju- Judge Barrett into Justice Barrett, is underway. And I want to, uh, Lindsey Graham, the chairman, is talking. Democrats suppose they're going to boycott that. But let's go live, if I can, uh, jump into this Fox News feed, if I have it here. Senator Feinstein. It's Lindsey Graham. What happened to her by showing an act of human kindness tells you all you need to know about what awaits a senator who gets in the way of the agenda they have for our nation, beginning with the, with the court. The day we start changing the number after every election to make it the way we would like politically, partisan-wise, is the end of the independence of the court. <coughs> Lots at stake in this election, but today I want to celebrate. I want to celebrate the fact that Judge Amy Barrett will be reported out of this committee unanimously that to all the young women out there like Amy Barrett, this is a big day for you. To the country as a whole, you're going to have an associate justice on the court that uh, you should be proud of. This is a good day. If you don't believe me, just listen to what the ABA said. It's Lindsey Graham live right now. American Bar Association is not high on Senator Lee's list. (laughs) And many of you. I think they do uh, give some Republican nominees a hard time, but I've continued to use them because I keep as many traditions in place as I can. But to folks who are watching this hearing, their job is to evaluate the nominee in three categories, professional competencies, character, uh, judicial disposition. They spent hundreds of hours, talked to hundreds of people from all walks of life about this judge, Judge Barrett. And here's what they found. The American Bar Association Standing Committee on the Federal Judiciary has completed the evaluation of the professional qualifications of Judge Amy Barrett. As you know, the Standing Committee confines its evaluation to the qualities of integrity, professional competence, and judicial temperament. All right, we can cut this away from this. Uh, we, 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 Lindsay, the American Bar Association basically gave her their highest rating and said she's the best that, that ever walked the face of the earth or something. So uh, now here's what's going on. The reason I wanted to bring those into you, uh, this is happening live, and the Democrats have decided not to show up at that hearing. They've decided to boycott it. 
Now, is there any reason why they need to boycott it? I mean, they could go there and vote no and still lose, but they've decided to boycott. Now, how does that play? Is that just inside baseball? Is that inside politics? Or is that uh, is that a tantrum that people are paying attention to? This is always my question. Is not how does it play on talk radio, but how does it play in Peoria? And does anybody understand that? I was digging around to see there's ever been a time where the opposition or the minority party ever, ever, ever boycotted a vote and the answer is no. Now, the benefit of this is that it will show on the record, because they can make a procedural change and say they have a full quorum, it will show that Amy Coney Barrett gets out of the committee with a unanimous vote. And so it really, you have to ask yourself, is it backfiring on the Democrats? Uh, but if you're one of those independent voters out there, what does it mean to you that Amy Coney Barrett is um, going to make it through the committee but going to make it through the committee unanimously and that the Democrats did not even show up there to vote. And that, that I find it peculiar, but that's going to happen here in just a moment. And then it will go to the fl- full floor of the U.S. Senate. So I'll, we'll break into that if anything else develops, but the Democrats have decided not to show up. Now, there is a great piece I want to link up for by Molly Hemingway, and it's from The Federalist. And uh, The Federalist has, it says, Amy, here's the headline, Molly Hemingway Amy Coney Barrett will be confirmed because Kavanaugh battle taught GOP how to stop getting played by Democrat dirty tricks. And Hemingway, I'll read a couple of lines of this. Amy Coney Barrett has not yet been confirmed as an associate justice of the Supreme Court, but there's no question that her confirmation battle has gone much better than the one endured by Brett Kavanaugh and his supporters. The undervalued reason is reason why is that Republicans and their voters wasted no time, not any wasting time. Uh, they didn't let anybody waste time on dirty tricks from their opponents in the Senate and in the media. This confirmation was supposed to be apocalyptic. That's what I, Molly Hemingway, predicted. One of the closing paragraphs in the book that I wrote, Justice on Trial, the book I wrote with Carrie Severino. Again, Molly was on the show, and so was Carrie about that book. She said, as ugly as Kavanaugh's confirmation battle became, he is unlikely to shift the court dramatically except on abortion homosexuality, just as Kennedy usually voted with the conservatives. If Ginsburg was to retire while Trump was in the White House, the resulting appointment would probably be like a Thomas for Marshall trade compared with, uh, with what might follow. The Kavanaugh confirmation might look like the good old days of civility. Now, here's Molly Hemingway's confession. She says, clearly, we, her and Carrie Severino, were wrong. There are many reasons for that, and it's worth looking into them. And and so why is it? Remember, we expected apocalyptic. Now, now here's what the Democrats have done. And tell me about this. Again, maybe nobody pays attention to this, but there's a confirmation hearing going to get a lady out that's obviously brilliant, even the American Bar Association that you heard Lindsey Graham talk about, not necessarily the most conservative and friendly organization when it comes to uh, when it comes to conservatives or Republican nominees, but the ABA even says, yes, Amy Coney Barrett's the one. So Democrats don't show up for that vote, even to voice their dissent. Instead, I, I would say they, they had their staffers or somebody, all the photos, remember I joked about the photos at that confirmation hearing, and they would all bring these pictures and look and go, that's Sarah Beth, and Sarah Beth is going to die if Amy Coney Barrett's confirmed. They were doing that the entire time. Well, they had to get use out of the foam cord that they printed the pictures on because they have those photos sitting on their chairs and they're not going to show up there. 
And I just, I, I think how childish that is. If you're going to vote no, go vote no. Get on the record and vote no and state your case, but the Democrats stayed away, which is probably fine as well. But I just, I, I look at it as childish. Does it play in Peoria that you don't have the courage or the duty in your mind to show up there and vote? And yet you'll stick a placard on your chair as some kind of a statement. Now, let me go back to the Molly Hemingway piece. Why is it that this thing did not get dirty? Uh, Matter of fact, it's really in depth. And it just she goes on to say that the Republicans just learned how to play it smarter. The Republicans just learned how to fight. They learned how to not do this. And the timing of the Ruth Bader Ginsburg death did not help Democrats as much as they thought it was. If you remember, the main Democrat theme of the Kavanaugh confirmation battle was delay, delay, delay. They worked very hard to delay the openings of the hearings uh, by fighting to read millions of papers that passed through Kavanaugh's desk while he was a staff secretary for George W. Bush. Battles over paperwork dominated July and August with hundreds of articles written about the process fight. Chuck Schumer and his allies did a photo op in front of an empty boxes that described missing records and all this stuff. And, and Democrats tried to delay Kavanaugh hearings until past the midterms, and they came close to succeeding, but they didn't. And so one of the reasons for the delay strategy failed for the Democrats this time is because American voters are starting to get sick of what they were doing to the man. Uh, whereas in 2018, Democrats had a huge wave election that turned over the House of Representatives, they actually lost seats in the Senate. They had to stop their anti-Kavanaugh efforts lest they lose more. Democrats were nervous about attacking Barrett in the way they had tried to destroy Kavanaugh. Their energy and focus were on their own elections too. They realized they got kickback. They realized that even though they came after Kavanaugh hard, it cost them a price and gave Mitch McConnell a greater majority in the U.S. Senate. So here's the question, and this is a question to contemplate, and we can jump back into this hearing if anything develops as uh, some of the Republicans are now making their state statements. Democrats cannot make their statements because they didn't bother to show up. Does any of this play out? Whether it's the confirmation hearing today in which Democrats did not even bother to show up to vote for to confirm or deny out of committee, or if they pull some shenanigans on the floor of the U.S. Senate, I believe that's going to happen early next week. If they pull shenanigans there, does the, do, do, do those type of childish antics, and that's what they are, those types of delay tactics, do they at all uh, affect people as the way they want to vote. Right now, we have a very contentious U.S. Senate race in Colorado. You have Cory Gardner versus John Hickenlooper. I think Cory Gardner has been a fantastic U.S. Senator. Not that he's done everything that I want him to do, but he's in a state that has different, uh, different political viewpoints than I do, obviously. Does... Uh, it, 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 does this help Cory Gardner? Does this hurt Cory Gardner? And I think, it, it, to me... It, you look at who's acting like children in this instance, and you just have to look and say, I, I don't know. It cost the Democrats seats in the midterm in 2018 because of the way they treated Brett Kavanaugh. And you have to ask, even though they're not so far being as extreme, as cruel, as scorched earth policy, they're still showing a, a lot of childlike behavior. And you have to remember that when the Democrats and Barack Obama were able to nominate people, and even back to Bill Clinton, they oftentimes had almost unanimous votes out of the committee because the Republicans viewed their advice and consent role 
a little bit differently, a whole lot differently than the Democrats do. So that, that's a question. Does the childish antics hurt? The, the, they're thinking we can't destroy her because it cost us seats in the election and we have a tight election and we can't be seen as mean to a lady. That's what they're thinking. But they're acting childish to a lady and you just have to ask yourself, and a very qualified lady to jump on the court as well. So uh, your thoughts on that, 866-888-5449. Uh, Delilah says that we could go back to the hearing. John Cornyn from Texas is speaking live. And again, Democrats have boycotted this, but the Judiciary Committee is voting now and uh, making a few early statements. Okay, here we go. Oh, they've already voted. Oh, they haven't voted. Deductible is about $3,000. For a family of four, the deductible is $12,000. As John Cornyn from Texas. You do not have insurance coverage. You're essentially self-insured. So what Democrats have done is they've, they, they realized that all of the promises that were made to the American people leading up to the passage of the ACA, uh, they have been broken. You, I remember President Obama saying if you liked your policy, you could keep your policy. If you liked your doctor, you can keep your doctor. None of that's true. They said that we would have essentially universal health insurance coverage. That's obviously not true. So ACA has failed. Our Democratic colleagues recognize that. And that's why they have, from the presidential candidates running in the primary uh, all the way down to people running in this election on November 3rd, including in my state, have advocated a single-payer system. Uh, sometimes called Medicare. All right, so we, we don't need to carry all that. Just John Cornyn, though, and uh, again, they need twelve votes, and uh, they need twelve for the for the for the majority uh, to get out of there, and they're going to have that here in just a moment. The nomination uh, of Judge Amy ba- ba- Coney Barrett is going to move out of the committee here in just a few minutes, and when it does, it'll go to the floor of the Senate. And I think that vote's going to happen next week. We'll keep an eye on it to see if there's anything else that develops here. Uh, let me do a few. I try, I try to balance this show out. Uh, here's a feel-good story. Somebody sent it to me. Delilah did. After yesterday, I used the phrase, over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go. An 11-year-old kid named Romeo Cox finished walking 1,700 miles just to see his grandmother. Let me repeat that. An 11-year-old walked 1,700 miles just to visit his grandmother. He lives with his parents in Italy, but his mother is his grandmother is in England, and he sees hadn't seen her in over a year. There weren't any fights, so he tried to convince his parents to let him walk. There weren't any flights, I should say, uh, because of COVID-19. They said, I want to see Grandma. Let me walk there by myself. His parents said, you're not walking to Grandma's house in England. We live in Italy. Uh, he says, I want to go see Grandma. I haven't seen her. We can't get there. His dad eventually agreed to walk with him. So in June, they start- <laughs> I'm sorry. In June, they started walking. Evidently, in Italy, they don't have jobs. <clears throat> evidently, they didn't have work to do, and evidently, he was not being homeschooled as well. I mean, I don't know how you do this. They started walking in June to go see Grandma. They spent 93 days hiking through Italy, Switzerland, and France, and they made it to Grandma's house uh, near London late last month. Uh, that's the wrong audio. Uh, they made it to Grandma's house late last month. So Romeo and his dad made it to Grandma's house. 93 days of hiking, and how long would you hike to go see your grandma in the middle of a COVID crisis? Here's some audio of... Um, uh, I'm sorry, 11 years old. There's no flights. I've got to go see Grandma. Grandma must make good cookies. And that, that's got to be a good cookie maker right there to walk 93 days. 
Do I have the audio now? I had to convince them by eating all my vegetables, doing good and lots of homework. Hit the road, Jack, and don't, don't come, come back, back no more. more. I'm proud of him. As adults, we can often learn quite a lot from just the simplicity and directness of children. It'll be the biggest hug almost I've ever gave in someone. Romeo, I'm really proud of you. That's fantastic what you've done. It really is. Yes, Well thank done. You. I'm going to give you a special squeeze. A special squeeze? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I love the... <laughs> sorry. I'll give you a special squeeze. All right, ladies and... Well... Okay. Nice to have you here on the show. Uh, Ro Romeo Cox walked 1,700 miles to see his grandmother. Now, I said she must make good cookies. The cynics in the chat room have said something else. They say grandma must be loaded and he wants a piece of the action when she dies. That is awful for the chat room <laughs> to, to assume that he is going to uh, have a... That you can't assume that this kid's in this for the money. He's 11 years old. He wanted to see grandma. Uh, 93 days walking uh, <laughs> to Italy, Switzerland, and France. I Hell, I don't know. Why. Why would you walk 93 days to go do? 93 days. I've been almost a year since I've been away from my beloved Africa uh, for my charity work over there. It's, it, it's killing me every day. But it's never... I've never contemplated walking to or maybe getting to like the coast and then rowing in a boat over there. Maybe Greta Thunberg could get me, let me borrow her sailboat or something. I don't know. I've never, I've never, as much as I miss going to Africa, but flights have been down because of the COVID and I haven't been able to get there since last November. It's killing me. I should have already been probably two or three times by now at this time of the year, but I, I haven't been there. It's killing me, but I, I, well, I, I can't imagine 93 days to get there. It yeah, sailing the ocean blue like Christopher Columbus. All right, if you want to jump in here, what is your advice for President Donald J. Trump tonight? Uh, feel free to jump in. And would you ever spend 93 days hiking to see Grandma or anybody else? 866-888-5449. 866-888-5449. Stand by. More to come. Upset about something Jimmy said? Well, suck it up, Buttercup. It's the Jimmy Lakey Show on 600 KCOL. Let me go my stack of show prep here. And a couple of stories I haven't commented on. We get so caught up in the election and the debate tonight. If you'd like to comment, uh, what would you advise President Trump to uh, behave like or do or bring up? Uh, should he bring up Hunter Biden's laptop? Probably going to get... Uh, slapped down by the leftist moderator that's out there. So uh, it's going to be an interesting debate to watch. Will you be watching it? Do you think it, uh, what needs to happen to either drive people to or from uh, one candidate or the other? What will people, these uh, these rare undecideds, I think they're like unicorns spotted in the wild. I, I have a tough time finding them, but uh, maybe there's people that are decided but are persuadable. And maybe at that moment uh, to, you find out that Joe Biden can't, coherently put a sentence together. I think that was a mistake of the last debate uh, that President Trump was advised to just pepper and pepper. And I said the morning after, I said, after about the first 10 minutes when you couldn't break him, you have to settle back into a cadence and then control the conversation. It's like a football team. you got to control the uh, momentum. You've got to establish your run game. You've got to establish the game here and there. And, and, and the president never did that. It was just barrage, barrage, barrage. And I don't think that was helpful. And I hope he doesn't do that tonight. I Not that he... It isn't justified in some of his rebuttals, uh, but at some point, I think you got to pick those one or two mountains in that debate that you're going to die on, those one or two points that you're really going to make no matter what, 
and uh, you're going to make them, period, the end is going to be your thing. There's another story, though, and I'm again, focused on the, all that. Uh, we, we've talked often uh, about Governor Polis, Jared Polis, uh, and his, I, we've called it power drunk. I think that's been used by many people. And the fecklessness of the state legislature, which is controlled by his own party Democrats, to say, hey, Governor, uh, why don't you call us back into session and, and you can't just make executive edicts forever. You, you're going to have to bring us back in and let us help. I mean, we'll cooperate with you. We're all part of the same party, all part of the same group here. But instead, the Democrats like Joanne Ganahl and so many others are just feckless and let Governor, uh, they want Jared Polis to be the Lord and the King and the uh, and, and the Savior of Colorado. And they want to sit back and talk about how they're working for the people of Colorado. And this is why I've said in this election cycle, that if you, even if you're not a Republican, not a conservative, if if you believe that Governor Polis is probably overstepping his authority, and you believe that Governor Polis is probably maybe a little bit uh, too enthralled with his own power of his pen, and you believe that J- Governor Polis is not paying attention to the rest of the state, uh, has he paid a damn bit of attention to the Cameron Peak fire? I think the answer is really not really. Uh, the Calwood fire, I think he made a couple of comments and said, see, we have global warming here. Now, the news we just heard, we have beetle kill, which is a forest management problem. Uh, that's what the East Troublesome Fire kicked up yesterday. Beetle kill. We haven't managed the forest. We haven't removed the beetle kill. Haven't dealt with that. And so we have all these fires burning, and Governor Polis is extending the mask order. He's doing all that. It's just really bizarre. And if you're a person that just believes maybe you didn't vote for Walker Stapleton, maybe you voted for Governor Polis, and you say, yeah, this guy's out of control, you've got to, when you have that ballot, don't mark anybody that's going to be complicit with his power drunk behavior, and that would be anybody with a Democrat, a, a D next to their name. That's that's the way you can rebuke him. Now, there is a recall effort going underway, and you can go to their website and find the location. Uh, I believe it's at dethronepolis.com. You can find it. Uh, it's also the official 2020. There's some fakes out there, but they're, they're out there. I was I was yesterday, I'll tell you this, I was out by um, uh, USA Liberty Arms, uh, right off Harmony uh, in the shopping complex there. And I, I, I was in that complex yesterday for just a couple of seconds. And I saw this, I've already signed the petition myself, so I didn't need to stop by, but they had a petition out there. And I looked at Dethrone Polis last night, the website, and sure enough, they say they have somebody there every Tuesday and Thursday, Uh, but yesterday was Wednesday and someone was still there. So anyway, they they have locations around you, you can participate. I'm all for that. But a more immediate way to slap the hand of Governor Polis and say, you can't do this, is uh, you've got to, have to, make sure you don't vote for a Democrat for the state legislature. And that's going to be, that's just a simple way to say, no, I, Joanne Ganahl, maybe you voted for her before, but she's not fighting the governor. She, again, she can go down there and represent the people of her district and implement these policies if she wants to, but she should go down there hearing the voice of her people in her district in the state Senate, and then she should have to uh, vote accordingly. And if she chooses to vote for these policies, that's fine. If she, But she needs to be accountable to her district. And none of these jack wagons in the legislature are being accountable to their district. They're just a cowards, and they're letting Governor Polis sign edicts so they don't have to be accountable to, the, to their district. But then they get to say, I served my district well. No, you didn't. Go down there. Let your constituents call you, visit with you, lobby with you, and tell you why some of these policies are bad. For, here, here's a policy I want to get to. Oh, let me take the break. I just looked at the clock. Let me take the break. This is If you haven't heard this, 
This is a policy that Governor Polis has signed into an executive order. You really won't believe what it's going to do to uh, not only property owners, but people who rent properties. And if this is the right policy, Joanne Ganahl should have to go down and vote in a special session and say, yes, Governor, but the governor should not be signing this by executive edict. Stand by. I'll tell you what it is. On the other side of this break, Governor Polis signs a new statewide executive order. And uh, where's your state legislator? Why are they not saying we should vote on that? 866-888-5449. News Talk 600 KCOL. Jimmy Lakey Show on 600 KCOL. I'm looking into it. This is the third message I've gotten about this, and I, I, I don't know if there's truth to it. And uh, uh, there's a, there's a speculation out there. There's speculation, all speculation, that um, that one of the reasons the hospitalization numbers are up in Colorado. I've gotten message after message of this, but I can't get anybody to go on the air firsthand. But they say I get in trouble if I tell you. But there's out of staters are coming in and filling up our hospitals. That that's what I'm. I've gotten three messages on this thing and said, Lake, you've got to look into this. You've got to look into this. Well, I'm looking into it. I've talked to some people that in the medical industry, and they say, Yeah, at our hospital, we have somebody from Nebraska, uh, two people from Nebraska. So the people are coming in from out of state for the. That's where our hospitalizations go. But I'm looking into it, and so um, if you have information, send it to me, Jimmy Lake at iHeartMedia.com. If you could confirm or deny, if you're in the medical profession, but that's anyway that. I wanted to address that because I got another message just uh, this morning, early this morning, that said the same thing. By the way, remember the kid that, that walked like 90, uh, what, 1,600 miles to go see Grandma talked about? My old buddy, Jim, uh, not that Jim, not the call-in Jim. This is a guy that messaged me all the time on the Facebook page. He said, come on, Lakey, we want politics, hate-filled politics. That's, <laughs> that's what he wanted. I, I laughed when I read that, Jim. I really did. We want politics, hate-filled politics. You can't give us these feel-good stories. What the heck's your problem, sir? Okay. Let me get back to this Jared Polis thing. And this is, comes back to the election. And I know we got a debate tonight, and you're welcome to sound off on that. And Brian Maloney's coming up. And he will give us a um, thoughts on, on what President Trump should or shouldn't do tonight. And uh, Joe Biden, the, the Hunter Biden laptop. We're going to get all that with him. But listen to this. And this is why, again, you get that ballot and you look at it. And even if you voted for Polis, you can't think that this is okay, can you? Headline, Colorado governor bans evictions for tenants who can prove financial hardship because of coronavirus. The order lasts at least 30 days. It comes after Democrat faced months of pressure from housing advocates. And so Jared Polis has caved. It basically means if you have a rental property or apartment, a single family home, and your person has not paid their rent and they say, I have a hardship for uh, coronavirus, I haven't been able to work. Well, you still have a mortgage on that home. You still have a payment to make. You still have a, a deal with the bank in some instances for that thing. But Jared Polis says, doesn't matter. You have to bear the brunt. You have to take the late payment. You have to risk foreclosure. You cannot kick them out if they can prove to you that they have a hardship coronavirus crisis. And that might work out well if you have a big apartment complex and you have one or two. But if you're a small landlord and a small investment property person, uh, then you're kind of stuck. In order to meet the financial hardship, renters must prove 
they will make no more than $99,000 in annual income for 2020 or no more than 198000 if they're filing a joint tax return. So we're not talking the poorest of the poor among us. We're talking about you just have to show that on a joint tax return, you're going to make slightly less than $200,000, but you can't pay your rent and your landlord cannot kick you out, evict you. And I'll tell you this, first of all, if you're a landlord out there, you're probably going to raise your rents up now, knowing that if by chance you get stuck in this caveat and this coronavirus thing that Jared Polis has now created, you're going to have to build up a little reserve so that at that time where you can't evict someone from your property, not theirs, your property, then you're going to have to uh, be able to pay that. This is going to drive rent costs up in Colorado. And it really, by the way, if you think this is great policy, then why can't the legislature get together and enact this policy. If Joanne Ganahl thinks this, and I pick on her because she's a, a state senator and she's a, she's advertising and campaigning about what a great representative she is as the people of Fort Collins. And Joanne Ganahl hasn't done diddly because Joanne Ganahl hasn't been at work since March, at least at the state legislature. Jared Polis is signing all the orders. There's no representation of the people. And Joanne Ganahl and these other legislators and Democrats are okay with that. They don't want to have to go on the record. I would like Joanne Ganahl in her district. I would bet there's a lot of rental properties uh, around that Colorado state in a college area. There's probably a lot of rental properties. And I would guess all of those homeowners would say, I am renting my property out. And you're telling me now because of an edict by Jared Polis that I I, I can't kick someone out. I can't evict them if they're not paying the rent. If they just show me some paperwork that says they were laid off, or facing some kind of out-of-pocket medical expense because of COVID, I can't kick them out? It, if that's the right policy, your legislator, Joanne Ganahl, Kathy Kip, all these people, they ought to go vote on it. Have the cojones to go vote on it. And don't let Jared Polis just sign executive order after executive order. We didn't elect a dictate. We elected a legislature and a uh, yeah, a legislature and a governor. Unfortunately, we ended up just with a dictator and Joanne Ganahl's at home somewhere, I guess. Stand by.